0: Uh, But if you've got a Bible, um, find Genesis chapter 23, and we'll trust that this works at least for a few minutes. Okay, I'm going to read the passage, and we'll see how we uh, see how we go. Okay, here it goes. Genesis chapter 23 tells us this: Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I'm an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so that I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land the hittites he said to them if you're willing to let me bury my dead then listen to me and intercede with ephron son of zohar on my behalf so that he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and as and weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites. 400 shekels of silver, according to the weight. uh, In Machpelah, near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it and all the trees within the borders of the field was legally made over to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city Afterwards, Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, in the cave in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre, which is at Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were legally made over to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. Okay, there we go. So we've been looking at the life of uh, Abraham and Sarah, this couple who have gone on a massive journey of faith with God. They've got these promises from God. about land that they're going to be possessing, the land of Canaan, um, that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars, that they would be blessed and that they would be a blessing to all nations of the earth. And uh, their journey is one of faith, of believing God, taking God at his word, trusting what God had said completely in spite of all the evidence or when there was evidence that kind of appeared to, to counter those promises, they still trusted God. They are this amazing example of living by uh, by faith and uh, we're nearing the end of their particular journey um, as you can tell from this passage uh, this is a passage about sarah's death now in, in a few minutes before we, we worship i just want to point out three things uh that are important that we can learn uh from this painful time in abraham's life uh losing losing sarah um, and we can work out how to apply that into our own lives uh, seeking to live by faith as well um, So here we go there is firstly it is important to take time to grieve how do we how do we process loss it is important to grieve it's important to mourn that's what we're seeing in verse verse 2 Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over over her and you can well, imagine why they've been married get this they've been married for over a hundred years uh, in fact they had already been married for 50 or so years when living way up in the north in Ur, Abraham heard God and God said go leave this country leave your family and go to the land I'll show you uh, and Abraham with Sarah was obedient and they went that that was after 50 years of marriage. You can imagine they were well settled at that point. Um, uh, established in a community and in a lifestyle, uh, maybe quite comfortable, but God said, go, and they obeyed, uh, and they went. Um, and then they've gone on this journey together, which has had, you could say, like massive highs and lows. They, they have, after all these years, seen the birth of their son, um, Isaac, in fulfillment of God's promise, having been childless. Uh, for for decades um, and without any natural hope of conceiving God was faithful to his word and they had Isaac but they've had massive challenges en route as well they've had a few uh, a few wobbles but uh, here Abraham is is mourning for her weeping over her now it's important that we we grieve that we that we don't just rush on uh, in the face of massive uh, loss now the grieving can just end up focusing on regrets and maybe there are a few that abraham could have uh, ignore that um he could have just focused on the things that could have been better he could have thought of those times when he hadn't treated sarah well um, and thought if only i'd protected her if only we hadn't gone to egypt if only i i hadn't pretended on a couple of occasions Um, that she was my sister rather than my wife Um, she endured highly difficult moments because of the way Abraham uh, was in in those times he could have focused on those regrets he could have focused on on other kind of what ifs he could have thought uh, oh if only I on one occasion I hadn't listened to her she suggested that I sleep with Hagar like um he's it's been challenging, it's been difficult, and then more recently, under God's direction, have had to send um, Hagar and Ishmael away. It was never God's plan to work through that means. The promises were attached to somebody else who was yet to come that's Isaac. So he could just rehearse all the mistakes, and, and that'd be painful. Uh, but perhaps in it all as well, there, there's just a huge amount of gratitude for this person who's walked with him, who's who've been together with him. They've gone this journey uh together grateful for over a hundred years of marriage to someone who was beautiful inside and out and of course that that grief that morning could be uh tinged with a with a lot of sadness as well just when thinking well sarah didn't get to meet rebecca uh, isaac's future wife we'll find out about next time round. she didn't get to see her grandchildren she didn't get to see future descendants um and so there'd be that sense of it, the story being incomplete. It's important that we take time uh, to process loss and grief. Um, hopefully not getting swallowed up by regrets, but, but, uh, but with gratitude, but not ignoring sadness. You may, have, you may have lost someone. You know the real pain of losing someone close. It could be in the past 12 to 18 months there's been other kinds of loss and sadness it's important to take time uh, to process it well in faith before God Um, not just rushing on I kind of wonder even uh, in in what's happened in the last maybe a few days matter of weeks not as significant as losing a loved one but losing plans things that you'd hoped would happen um, and it's kind of just gone it's been ripped from you it's been taken away Um, and it's important to To note that, you might be thinking, well, if it is so important, why does most of the passage seem to focus on buying a field? Um, Rather than us find out much about what particularly Abraham was processing when he mourned and he wept over his wife. It focuses on this strange transaction of buying a field. And, And that might seem strange. In some ways, actually, I don't think it necessarily is. If we're dealing with massive loss... The chances are what looms large in life are a whole number of practical challenges uh, and issues to deal with right at the point where you're feeling entirely raw. There's so much to sort out. This is true in grief when losing a loved one. There's people to tell. There's all sorts of people that need to know. There might be uh, financial matters to sort out as well as a, a, a funeral to prepare um, a house to clear, to kind of work through all the, all the treasured possessions that need kind of keeping and the things that need kind of passing on. Um, a huge amount of, of emotion, but a, a tremendous number of jobs just to get through. I guess that can be just in t- tremendously draining. Perhaps it's also helpful, but there's just so much to get done. And that's what's going on here for Abraham. He needs to organise a funeral, but he has no land. As he says himself, he is an alien and a stranger. Um, And he's respected, but he doesn't entirely belong. And he has nowhere, no special place to lay Sarah and to remember her. Now, it would appear that he gets these kind offers. Oh, you can use our tombs, you can, that's fine. but he's he's absolutely clear no this isn't a time to just compromise and sarah if if she was buried in someone else's tomb it would almost be like she was just becoming part of another people gathered to another nation's um uh ancestors and their gods perhaps he says, like, no this needs to be distinct he can't be asking permission would you mind if i visit my wife's tomb please can i come onto your grounds can i come onto your land that would be that'd be horrible that would be a, a a nonsense Now he, he needs somewhere special and so he goes through this this process um and he is respected by the people that he's approaching they call him lord they they have respect for him but at the same time he acknowledges himself look i'm i'm an alien and a stranger in among you i don't fully belong yet he's got these amazing promises from god one day all this land's going to be yours but for the time being, he's living in a tent, he's nomadic, life uh, isn't that sorted and settled and comfortable. Um, and maybe you experience some of that. I think it's a little bit tricky for any of us to to perhaps answer the simple question, where are you from? You wonder how Abraham would answer that. Just practically, I suppose he'd say, well, I'm originally I, I, I came from Ur, way up north. But when well, I left there to follow God, I, I drew this stark line. I, I follow what God said and I came to this land, but I've got nowhere here to call home yet. I live in a tent. And for us, it might be complicated. I might say, well, sometimes answer the question by saying I'm from Sheffield. But a bit like Julie said earlier on, you can tell by the way that I talk, I'm not originally from Sheffield, even after more than 20 years living here. So I could say on the one hand, yeah, I live in Sheffield. Is that where you're from? Well, I'm, I'm kind of from a place called Chatham in Kent. I am that's where I grew up um, but without really any connection there now that might be true of you having just moved round the corner in Sheffield you might say well yeah I'm I'm from Hillsborough but really I'm I grew up in Nether Edge or Stocksbridge or Utterbridge somewhere else but this is where I am now or on a totally different scale you might say well actually I'm from Syria or I'm from Nigeria or I'm from the Netherlands, but I've made life for myself here in Sheffield, so I'm kind of from Sheffield. Um, I think as believers in Jesus, we, we experience this tension on a whole nother level, that we, we believe in God and our future destiny is with him. And wherever we are right now, the, the world is not an entirely comfortable place and we can't say we fully belong here. Like um, Abraham, we can describe ourselves as aliens and strangers. In fact, that's exactly what um, what Peter does. Uh, that's how he addresses us in one Peter chapter two and verse eleven. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Actually, that describes us quite well. There's a whole number of ways uh, that we're described in the New Testament. Yeah, we're believers. Yes. We're believing in a message from jesus we we're, we're brothers and sisters part of god's family having received jesus as our as our savior um but we're also aliens and strangers in the world and that leads to making a distinction there are things to abstain from as he goes on to say abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So back here in Genesis, this isn't a time for um, for Abraham just to blend in, act like one of the pagans, allow his dead wife to become a Hittite in effect by being buried in one of their tombs. We we experience a massive tension. Um, uh, that came home to me most recently, I suppose. Uh, again, in, in the aftermath of England losing the final of the Euro uh, 2020 uh, Championship. Uh, we Obviously, massive high hopes. Ultimately, uh, disappointment, but the team did brilliantly well. And then you brace yourself because you kind of know that all this potential euphoria turns sour very quickly and it's reported in the news uh, that many people, or some people, don't know how many people actually, um have been making racist comments to those who missed um, penalties for the England team. This is horrific. Um, we've got to say we don't agree. That is that's speaking against people in that way. It's speaking against God's creation, and it's abhorrent. And these guys haven't sinned. They've done nothing wrong at all. Uh, they've performed brilliantly, um, but it hasn't gone well for them in the last moment. Um, and that that elicited from from some uh, racist. Uh, comments which are uh, which are horrible, um, and we don't want to agree with at all. However, in in being an alien and a stranger in the world, there are other things to also not agree with in 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 what happened after that. So, you know, Gareth Southgate, the England manager, commented about those incidents of racism, and he said it is unforgivable. And we might identify with Gareth, lovely guy, and think, well, we kind of understand where he's coming from and that he needs to make a stand and he wants to defend his players and he's making a stand against racism and that's commendable. But do you actually agree? As aliens and strangers, as believers in Jesus, as those who've received good news in Jesus, do we actually agree that it's unforgivable? It means if someone has made a racist comment, they would stand before Gareth and they might say very genuinely, let's say in the years to come, this is an imagined scenario, they would say, Gareth, I now recognise that what I said was, was wrong and I shouldn't have said it. I, I've come to understand afresh the, the damage that racist comments like that has done and I'm, I'm sorry to the players, I'm, I'm sorry to the nation. I want to put it right by, by apologising. Uh, And that person would stand before Gareth and Gareth, if he's true to what he actually said, would say, I cannot forgive you. But if that person goes before Jesus, comes before God and for all their sin, including racist comments, says, I'm so sorry. I recognize that now that what I've done was was hurting those individuals, hurting a a community, um, doing damage to a nation. Uh, causing offense and it's an offense towards you oh God because I'm speaking against your creation would you forgive me and Jesus would say yes I forgive you um, so as aliens and strangers we we don't kind of just we can't just pick an easy camp to belong to we belong to god's kingdom we belong and we believe in truth um, and it's important this is the second thing it's important to take time to remember who we are, where we're from, and where we are heading. If we're believing in Jesus, um, we belong to him. We are aliens and strangers in the world. In Philippians chapter 3, we're told uh, yeah, we, we're citizens of heaven. We're never going to feel truly at home anywhere on planet Earth because we, like Abraham, like Sarah, are living for something and believing is something that we haven't yet seen. We haven't yet seen it with our eyes. For Sarah, once she, she died and been gathered to her people, gathered to her God, well, her faith became sight. She could see then. At that point, she can see her God. Um, and she can see the, uh, his goodness. And she can see an eternity of God's glory. And that's what we're living for and that's what we're looking forward to. Uh, A new heavens and a new earth. We are not going to see it in this life. We'll catch glimpses now and again of what God is doing and the good things that are to come. But we're looking ahead to a future. And then with all God's people and with God himself, we will rest and say, yes, this, this is home. here. It's not home. So when processing loss, when processing challenges and difficulties and hardship and pain, we need to take time to in the in the present remember who we are not lose our sense of of identity and of being distinct as the people of god and not just blending in with the world and doing things in the world's way and also remember where we're headed now it might seem strange like i said earlier on this passage focuses seems to focus more on a cave in the in a field than it does on Sarah what's the significance of the cave and uh, the field then well it shows us the the result of this painful time it shows us that through a painful time where Abraham is processing the lost the loss of his wife God is faithfully fulfilling his word you remember those promises that God had said at the outset? You know, Go to the land I'll show you, he said in chapter in Genesis chapter 12. Later on, he'll add a bit more detail. So, uh, for example, in Genesis chapter 15, at the end of that chapter, um, it says in Genesis 15, verse 18, On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. So he adds the detail. This is the, that's the land that's being given to Abraham, this massive land that stretched all the way from Egypt to the Euphrates. That's what God was promising. That's what you're going to have, Abraham. That land is yours. I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. That was the promise. At the beginning of chapter 23, he has absolutely no land. To call his own, but by the end of the chapter, he has this little field and this little cave. Um, overpriced as well. He has paid through the teeth. He re- he refused to barter and try and argue the price down. He just went for yeah okay, four hundred shekels of silver it is. And you kind of wonder um, what the the Hittites on an Ephron might have said about it afterwards you know the rumor spread would you believe how much abraham paid me to buy that field what a fool can you see how much money i've made in that transaction i don't have to pay any tax on that land anymore cuz it's all his you know so there's a bit of respect for abraham but maybe also a bit of ridicule they took advantage of him uh, and again it can be like that as as aliens and strangers in the world If we live upright lives, seeking to live God's way and honour him, maybe we'll be a bit respected, but maybe we'll also be a bit ridiculed for being a people who are seeking to build the kingdom of God through the church. I better start wrapping up, really. But that's the indication. It gives us a glimpse of what God's doing. And God's work is like that. that. That we might just be looking at something really small at a very painful time. But through the eyes of faith, we can say, look, God is doing something. God is at work right now. In all that we've lost, in all the pain that you might be going through, the disappointments, the frustrations of life, suddenly having to focus on any number of practical plans because it's all gone to pot, or so it would seem. But can you see with the eyes of faith that God is still uh, fulfilling his plans? You know, there's a promise in scripture that talks about the, uh, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, and not just promise this big amount of land. The whole planet will be full of the knowledge of God's glory. You can't say that at the moment. It's not full of the knowledge of God's glory. There are just these little pockets here and there of people who've seen God's glory or understand God's glory. Tiny little pockets. And the church itself can sometimes just seem like a random little place to go bury the dead. Um, The church graveyard, that random place. Um, But they're in the people of God, not just in the buildings, but in a people who are living by faith, totally trusting in God's word. There is an indication of what's to come. One day, the whole of the world will be a new creation The heavens and the earth will be full of people adoring and loving God in perfect unity and harmony with one another. That's what we're looking forward to. Now, when we're processing loss, uh, it's really important to take time to grieve. Maybe you need to do that for things that have happened even months ago years ago just moved on too quickly never really stopped and processed it in your faith with God what happened what did you lose what prompted sadness what are, what are you grieving but as you do that don't just get fixated on regret but remember remember God remember your identity as in the people of God remember where you're headed and remember these wonderful promises and find comfort in the fact that we will be with God uh, forever. There might just be now, presently, just these small small ho- footholds. And those are things not to be just dismissed. Oh, it doesn't really matter. It's just a field. And God's at work in his church. Let's believe that even in painful times, God can fulfill his promise. Amen. I hope that.